there is no value in anything until it is finished. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. Do me a favor this week, if you could, tell someone about the podcast. Maybe you can work something in that you've learned from the show. Maybe you can work that into a conversation. Tell them where you learned it. I appreciate you doing that because word of mouth works better than anything else to get people to listen to the show. Also, this is new. If you want to listen to the show ad-free, you can do that now on Patreon, starting with last week's show. You can join at patreon.com slash Michael Kent, and you can join for as little as a dollar a month. You can get the shows ad-free, the occasional bonus episode, and full-length unedited videos every week of our guest quick quiz. Now, this week's topic comes to us from Adam. Hey, Michael, this is Adam from Pennsylvania, and I was just reading about Genghis Khan and how nobody knows where he's buried. There's some really interesting legends around that. Thanks. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, I really knew nothing about Genghis Khan, so I spent the week reading about this, and I found it incredibly interesting. Let's start with where you go if you want to pay respects to Genghis Khan. The mausoleum of Genghis Khan is an ornate blue-and-white octagonal hall. It's a top-rated tourist attraction outside of Ordo City in Inner Mongolia, which is an autonomous region landlocked inside of China. As many as 8,000 tourists visit each day to pay tribute to Genghis Khan, the main hall of the mausoleum contains a cenotaph. That's a fancy word for a burial monument that contains no body. That's because for 794 years, no one has ever figured out where Genghis Khan was buried. The Mongolian ruler Genghis Khan was born sometime around 1162 near the Burkhan Khaldun mountain in Mongolia. Now, for the purposes of this episode, I'll be pronouncing his name Genghis Khan. Another correct pronunciation is the way it's pronounced in Mongolia, Chinggis Khan. But for consistency and continuity, we'll stick with Genghis for this episode. To put it into a Cliff Notes version, he was the founder and the first Khan, which is the title meaning emperor, of the Mongol Empire. His legacy is being an absolutely brutal conqueror. His armies conquered hundreds of cities and murdered millions of people. In doing so, he created the largest contiguous land empire in the history of the world, a massive land equal to around the size of the continent of Africa. Genghis Khan's Mongol empire stretched as far west as modern-day Poland and as far south as what is now Egypt. While he's remembered for his ruthlessness and violence, he was once remembered for spreading culture, science, and technology to many parts of the world. His empire was ethnically and racially diverse. He is considered the most successful military conqueror of all time. The last conquest of Genghis Khan was Yinchuan, the capital of Western Xia province of China. The Mongols conquered the city and slaughtered its entire population in 1226. It's believed that it was during that battle that Genghis Khan died. No one is exactly certain how he died a year later in 1227. Theories range from being killed in battle to falling off his horse to dying from wounds he sustained while hunting, which is a theory that was spread by explorer Marco Polo. A legend that was circulated later was that he was killed by a Western Shia princess that he had abducted. 
Some of the versions of that legend are pretty imaginative and not appropriate for this podcast, so I'll let you look that one up for yourself. The army that the Khan had amassed when he died was more than 129,000 men. So why is it that one of the most famous humans to have walked the earth has an unknown burial site? The simple answer is he wanted it that way. But the more detailed answer is a story that's worth hearing. We'll tell you about it after a quick break so I can tell you about some of the awesome sponsors who keep this podcast going. My wife and I went up to Traverse City, Michigan last weekend, and it is starting to get cold up there. If you look at the photos on my Instagram, you will see me wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest Fleece. It was awesome for traveling around because it's got pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord. I even bought a book at a bookstore and put it in one of the pockets in the vest. I didn't even feel it in there. I'm pretty confident they've got an article of clothing that you will love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. Give them a look at scottyvest.com. And just by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Enter promo code TELLME, T-E-L-L-M-E, all one word. That's scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME, or just use the link in the show notes. You've got a lot of things to fret over lately. When you're traveling, safety is a concern. Your own safety and your friends and your families. That's the most obvious concern. With this app called Beacon, you have full control of how much you'd like to share with whom, when, and for how long. So once a year, my friends from college and I get together for a guy's weekend. We come from all over the place, and that day that we're meeting up, we're constantly texting each other to update our ETAs so we can figure out dinner, and it gets to be a lot of texts. With Beacon, Everyone signs up and then there's no more need for all those text messages. You can instantly see the ETAs of everyone. And the best part is that Beacon cares about protecting your privacy. So you control how much info you give and when. When you don't want the app to show your location or your name, you just toggle that off. It's that easy. Check out Beacon on Google Play or the App Store or go to beacon.site. Now let's get back to the story. Quite a few famous people from history have lost, unmarked, or unknown graves. Take Mozart. When Mozart was buried, he was buried in a common grave. He wasn't ultra-wealthy and he wasn't aristocracy. And as such, his grave was subject to excavation after a period of 10 years after his death. This was the practice in Vienna at the time. There just wasn't enough room in the cemeteries. After a period of 10 years... The remains were gathered and sort of added together with other interments to consolidate space. And because of this, over the years, the actual remains of Mozart were lost. Some famous graves have been hidden from the public because if they weren't, they'd attract too much unwanted attention. Alexander the Great's tomb is unknown. After he was entombed, his grave was repeatedly pillaged and looted. It was moved several times. But since then, sea levels have changed, earthquakes have changed the land, and entire cities have been built over what was once ancient Alexandria. Attila the Hun, Cleopatra, many rulers from history have graves that are now lost. But looking at the burials of people closer to our time might help us to understand why some would want their gravesites to be hidden. The grave of John Belushi became a place for people to party. The family didn't like this, nor did the cemetery so he was moved to a quiet hillside cemetery. The family says that his grave marker there doesn't actually mark the site of his grave, which has been kept a secret. 
nobody knows the location of the graveside of Steve Jobs. He was a very private person, and his family made sure that the location of his gravesite at Alta Mesa Cemetery in Palo Alto has been kept a secret. People wishing to pay respects can sign the guest book at the front lobby of the cemetery. These are people that didn't want their graves to become a spectacle. Take Jim Morrison's grave, for example. The front man for the doors was buried in Paris, France, his hometown at the time of his death. Now, 50 years later, 3 million people visit his grave every year. It's commonly vandalized and graffitied. On Morrison's birthday, as many as 4,000 fans come to visit. So going back in time to the 13th century, Genghis Khan had been explicit in the years previous to his death about how he wanted to be buried. He left very detailed instructions about what was to be done to ensure his wish was granted, that no one would ever know where he was buried. This was a tradition in his tribe. I have to preface this with the fact that much of this legend is just that, it's legend, and it's very difficult to prove. The sources that are commonly pointed to are that of Marco Polo, who journeyed across Asia at the time of the Mongolian Empire, and the Altan Topchi, which is a 17th century chronicle of Mongolian customs. I'll do my best to convey the story as it's widely known. The funeral procession was carried out by an army of 800 soldiers. Those soldiers murdered anyone who they encountered on the procession, as well as everyone who attended Genghis Khan's funeral. They reached the likely site of his burial near the Birkin Khaldun Mountain and Onan River, buried him, and were then killed by a second group of soldiers who came in at that point. A thousand horses were led to trample the ground of the entire region to obscure any trace of the burial site. Additional legends even go so far as to suggest the Mongols redirected the flow of the Onan River to cover the region where Khan was buried. This is how important it was to Genghis Khan for his burial place to remain a secret. I mean, after you've killed as many as 40 million people to establish your empire, what are a few thousand more? There have been countless expeditions through the years to locate the body of Genghis Khan. None have been successful. Partly, this is due to the fact that Mongolians don't want him to be found. They tend to respect the tradition and wishes of the ruler. Some superstitions claim that if the burial is ever discovered, the world will end. This is probably linked to the fact that in 1941, the tomb of 14th century Mongolian ruler Tamerlane was opened by Soviet archaeologists, and then soon after, Nazis invaded the Soviet Union. It's been made even more difficult for researchers to find the site because the region around Birkin Khaldun Mountain has been made into a UNESCO World Heritage Site, and as such, it's off-limits for any sort of excavation or research. For Mongolians, they're happy he's never going to be found. In Mongolia, Genghis Khan is the most celebrated figure. He's immortalized with statues and monuments throughout the nation, and his face appears on their money. The rest of the world may see him as a vicious murderer and conqueror, but for Mongolians, he's the ruler that united the East and West. He established what would become the Silk Road to enable trade and commerce for future generations. And for that, they want to continue to respect his final wishes, to never be found. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Matt Donnelly. 
Matt is a comedian and performer who I met while shooting Penn & Teller Fool Us. He's the head writer on that show. He's appeared on stage with Wayne Brady in Las Vegas, and he currently headlines as The Mind Noodler, a comedy magic act that is taking him to stages all over the country. I'm thrilled to see you again, man, and I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. Yeah, Michael, a pleasure, pleasure to be here, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you making some time for me. Uh, we met briefly when I did uh, Fool Us, which was like season three, I think, is when I was on Fool Us. So it's been a while. Yeah, most people actually didn't, don't even remember meeting me when they made me on Fool Us. So, so kudos to you for even well, putting that together. You know, I didn't figure it out until until later because I, you know, have, having heard your voice on Penn's podcast... And right. then it, I put it together later, like, oh, I had a conversation with you, but I didn't realize that it was the same person in the room. Yeah, because so. I, I officially have to have a conversation with you. I, I pre-interview all the contestants. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but when you're talking to me, you're just picturing talking to Allison Hannigan. So that's why I'm used. To, I, I'm not offended at all. When people don't remember meeting me. I'm like, no, no, no. I was the guy that all you were picturing was a conversation with Allison the entire time because that's my job. That's to be fair. She was standing in front of me, and you were seated in the back corner of the room. <laughs> it wasn't all just, scribbling down it all the things that came up yeah it wasn't all just celebrity shock it was mostly that but it, <laughs> it was cool it. man she's it. cool allison hannigan was like is so like uh laid back and and nice she is the genuine article yeah she is as nice as she seems on television 100 percent. and uh i gotta tell you how lucky i am to work on that show because penn and teller are pretty laid back as well so if you're gonna work with like three stars yeah. And none of them throw fits. None of them go crazy. Like yeah. it's, it's, um, it's, it's really, it's a dream job. It That's really awesome. is. And the show yeah. is, is, has been so successful and has done so well. And from the entertainer side of it, which you are also on, you know, that they really yes. treat everyone with respect. Which... Well, my whole, my whole venue venture into magic was on a dare from Penn. So <laughs> yeah, uh, he said, why don't you do a trick? I was mouthing off about how it's easier to make a living as a magician than as a comedian. And I was saying that out of sheer hatred of myself for not being more successful as a comedian. <laughs> and uh, and Penn basically kind of like like uh, up-chinned me. He was like, yeah. why don't you learn a damn trick? Yeah. And so <laughs> right. uh, yeah. I, I, I did. Yeah. I did. And, and now it's a whole thing. Yeah. I'm, again, I, I, because I struggled in comedy forever, so I know how lucky I am in magic. But uh, my very first run of shows, Piff the Magic Dragon came and saw me and then uh, took me on the road with him for two years. I got to open for him in comedy clubs and gigantic theaters and, and everything and really got a lot of shows and got to really get my chops up as an opener. And uh, it was super, super helpful. So uh, I know how lucky I am. It's, it's dumb. It's really dumb. <laughs> I wish that our um, quick quiz had something to do with any of this, but it doesn't. It has nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> so I'll find a way. It's all right. The first question, uh, <laughs> we're playing for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell you a joke. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. That's the stakes okay. for the first question. Great. Here's your question. And they're all multiple choice. Yeah. Why doesn't anyone know where Genghis Khan is buried? A, mm. so first of all, this sounds like a joke, right? It sounds like a joke. It like does. a popsicle stick joke. Why doesn't anyone know where Genghis Khan is buried? A, because the area is now under an ocean. B, because historians believe he never existed. Or C, because his funeral procession was ordered to kill anyone who saw them. Oh, interesting. Interesting, interesting. Okay, because like, for instance, I, I was just uh, on my own uh, podcast, uh, uh, 
we did a trivia thing and there's all this debate about like where the spear is that was used in jesus to cut his side or whatever oh. and there's like three people that claim to like have this spear and i was like i don't know if this event happened the way like in a literal sense enough that it could definitely be located somewhere so with that in my brain i lean towards maybe he didn't exist you know i grew up thinking pluto was a planet <laughs> Right. who knows yes. you know like I, I i just i learned weird things it was a, it, <laughs> under, go the water to, i'm not going with underwater because no that, tugs, okay. that tugs up my guilt of climate change guilt heartstrings it just feels like too much of a layup um so what was the third one the third one was, was that his funeral procession was ordered to kill anyone who saw them i'm gonna I, I, yeah a a is my guess a well a was the ocean so b was that he never existed yeah that's what I mean. B. You're 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 right that I'm guessing what you said. <laughs> Unfortunately, you're going to have to tell me a joke because the answer is C. His funeral oh. procession was ordered to kill anyone who saw them. And the legend goes that then those people were killed by another group of people that came in after they buried him. Oh, I bet they didn't get that when they signed up for the for the job. Right, you know? yeah, that was not. We, like, oh. <laughs> there was on one the guy weekend, that was like, oh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because honey, I gotta know. take this gig. It pays twenty an hour. I gotta. <laughs> it's just it's a one time gig. Uh, you know, it's it's W two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it, and uh, and, and we'll. Yeah, and I got killed. They did. And they got tell. killed. Well, you know, and and maybe uh, his wife got a little bit of a pension or something. But most likely so. that was just being made part of Genghis Khan's family's harem or something. I, th- I think she just spent the rest of her time shouting, I definitely, he didn't tell me. He, he didn't did tell, tell I, me. I, don't, I swear I, I don't, don't know where he said he was going. I do not know where he's buried. Don't <laughs> think I do. After this, so after they killed the guys, so no one knew at that point, they brought in another group of guys with a thousand horses and had them trample the whole area to disguise any like messed up ground or anything like that so that no one knew where any of it was. And then there's another legend that says that they rerouted a small river to cover the burial site. Because I, that I, is, that's a lot. It's overkill. Is, I guess that's what Attila the Hun did and what Alexander the Great did was like they, that was what they did at the time was reroute rivers to cover graves because no one was supposed to know where people were buried. And that was the thinking that like they may do something if they find your your grave, they can like make sure you don't get into heaven or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, it, it was a tribal tradition for um, for Genghis Khan's whatever tribe he came from. It was it was part of their yeah. tradition. But also Alexander the Great, uh, his grave had been looted and robbed right. of, of its riches, you know. And, and so it's sort of I remember when like when when they killed Osama bin Laden and like the whole reason they said that they like dumped him in the ocean was they didn't want his gravesite to become. They didn't want to yes. make him more of a martyr. Like they didn't want people to, you know, make a pilgrimage to this gravesite. Right. I don't know if that's related, but I just took something dark into a much darker place. I, uh, yeah. Either way, I'm just. I was feeling pretty, pretty vain about getting a headstone, but now I realize it's just the, just the. That's just the path of least resistance. I think I should just go ahead and have a regular old funeral. Start hiring some people now to kill everyone that <laughs> uh, you know, like just get. Or if if we have those. Uh, the 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 mind erasing devices from men in black we <laughs> yeah, could just do that yeah, with yeah. anyone who sees the funeral procession it's like hey michael uh what the hell i just heard you hired my buddy ted to guard your funeral i don't know what you're talking oh. about <laughs> boy do i have the gig for you <laughs> <laughs> all right do you have a quick joke uh what do you get when you cross an elephant with a rhinoceros what elephino that's fantastic 
<laughs> not not really. It was horrible. <laughs> you told me a popsicle stick joke because I told you one. Can I tell That's a joke true. anyway? Because I, I have to sort of shoehorn this into this episode somehow. Oh, if I knew I could have passed on it and let you go, I would have done that. <laughs> you could have. You could have just said pass. And I'd have been like, I need to fill the space. Um, the, there's a... Uh, so it, this isn't known. And, and this was this was in my research. Uh, there's there's a group that that Genghis Khan sent in early to conquer the city before anyone else. And these were mm-hmm. the like the roughest, toughest, biggest guys he had. And he they the way that he kept them tough so much or whatever was he fed them all like they they existed on an all wheat diet. That's all they ate was just wheat. 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 Yeah. It was like a just grain constant. And that's they kept them lean. You know, these were muscular, lean men. They worked and out. The and first they places they'd attack was the gluten-free sections of supermarkets. Of, of Mongolian supermarkets. Yes, <laughs> in the 12th century supermarkets. And what the interesting thing about this was they became known. Everyone knew them. And they called them Khan's all-wheat meanies. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. I, I had to shoehorn that into this episode somehow. So I, liked I was going to tell the I joke regardless. Um, I love those. All wheat meanies. I love those long pun jokes. All right. <laughs> question two. For this question, we're playing for a plug on our podcast. So if you get it right, I'll plug your podcast on the next episode of this show. You get it wrong, you'll Ooh. plug my podcast on yours. So a little bit higher stakes now. Higher stakes than just. I like joke. it. I like it. Which of the following is a tactic that Genghis Khan would actually use in battle. A, he would dress his soldiers up as women so they could sneak attack a city. Mm -hmm. B, he would use prisoners as human shields. Or C, they would reroute a nearby river to flood a city. Okay, well, there's too much of this river rerouting, I think. (laughs) Just, I don't know if... But I guess, because technically that was or wasn't part of the last answer. Well, that was part of the funeral procession or the fu- the, okay. the funeral, okay. hiding the funeral things. So unless the they do sound it for multiple totally... things, which they totally could have done. I'm not going to give you the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like t- two of them seem within the realm of, of what I understood of Genghis Khan. Using prisoners as human shields and also dressing people up like, like ladies. Seems like a fine sneak attack. Um. But then I feel like if he dressed women up like that, and that was, the, I feel like we'd have an expression for that that we'd use now all the time. So I'm going to go with the prisoners as human shields. You are correct. You'll get a plug on the next podcast. Yes. Yes. They, uh, they did not dress up in, in women to sneak attack a city. I made that up. And uh, yeah, the rerouting of a river. I just wanted to throw that in again because it <laughs> just rub salt in the mood of me getting the last question wrong. <laughs> According to scholars, Khan's army used cavalry charges, feigned retreats before they ambushed, pincher assaults, and prisoners as human shields to achieve victory. He also, this was interesting, he would foster discord in enemy countries before an insult so that they would incite revolution and civil war, right? So that was kind of like their like like Russian Facebook farms, like whatever they. What are those the the troll farms from from? Yes, is are they in Ukraine or or maybe they're in Mongolia uh, still? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure where they are, but I I yeah. Uh, it's still it an actual neat. thing. Yeah, and it, once again, like you just think of the brute power when you think of Genghis Khan, but then is you do some research and it's still mental. It's a mental game. It's yeah. a chess match. It really is. Now I have to, I'll give your, your podcast a plug in the next episode, but let's talk about your podcast now. Uh, sure. What's the, the name of it? Uh, Abracababble. Abracababble. Yes. Now is this as the mind noodler? Is this Matt Donnelly's podcast? 
Well, this is a magic, my magic based podcast. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a members only podcast because we talk openly uh, and practically about performing magic. Um, I will either talk about my strange career uh, with my two co-hosts. We do behind the scenes of every episode of Fool Us. Wow. Uh, and we uh, also will interview different magicians from time to time. Awesome. That's uh, of, I, of which you should do. You should do. You should be an interview. Yeah, I'd love to come on sometime. I have. There I have go. lots of um, thoughts. <laughs> I have lots of some. Of, some of them are are quite opinionated. For instance, the the use of a, a handheld microphone. I could talk for at least an hour. About. <laughs> it's like a religion to me. <laughs> uh, and then, did you have to wear one of those collars where you hold the handheld? Only on now, your only neck, for like a for about four minutes of my hour show. I use the I use the. Uh, gim crack they call it but the rest oh, of the show right. i've got it to the i've got it blocked so i can just hold the mic um or yeah. put it in a stand you know or, or use yeah, it in yeah, a stand. Yeah. but only yeah the, there's a newest routine in my show it's a, it's a chop cup routine and for those of you most of my listeners are not magicians uh it's a, just a, it's a trick with a cup and a ball and there are times when i really need to use both of my hands because i'm holding a wand and Normally, I would use the microphone as the wand, but the wand is a character in the in the bit. It's like an actual. I talk about the wand, uh, and I just haven't figured out a way to work make it work with a mic stand yet. This is all like oh. to, so in the weeds, like I, you know. This, this is, is why this is. I bring you bring all the minutia right to the, my pod. This <laughs> yeah. is what we do. We talk behind the scenes about the practical performance of magic. Yeah, I talked and, uh, for uh, a good, probably a good hour today on the phone with a buddy of mine about how. Um, I want to come back on the show. I want to come back on Fool Us. And um, the trick that I want to take on it, I'm having to take what's 11 minutes in my show and just squeeze it down to something that would work in that format, which is... Yeah, yeah, like four minutes, four, four or five minutes. Four minutes is going to be tough. Um, but yep. I can do it. So I sketched out every beat today. Every tiny little beat of that routine, I sketched out and just started drawing lines through things. Like, uh, I can do it without this. I can do it without this. And it's, and it's a really interesting, like, um, it's a really interesting practice in seeing how parsimonious your, your, your routine can be. Like, what, are, what does it need? It's the, I always talk about the ship of Theseus. I don't know why this always comes up, but like, what can I change? And it's still the so same. So you don't have routine. a lot of magic listeners, but you have a lot of ship of Theseus listeners. Is that, <laughs> is that what I understand? I don't know. I'm a nerd <laughs> about this stuff, but like, I love like the idea of like, how much can I change for this routine? And it's still the same routine. Like, what does it need yeah. to keep? What, well, and, specifically, know. and this might be fascinating to, to your listeners, no matter what, which is, uh, sometimes time equals impact. Yes. You know, like the distance from, from an action to the reveal matters and so sometimes if you strip it down yeah. you're like oh it, it the loses all of its yeah. its power yeah and i don't think that's the case with this i think that over the years this has expanded and grown because i've done it for so long and i've found so many fun little side roads oh good yeah. well then i hope i hope it, i hope the pairing down works then because yeah. if it's something you've done for a while those tricks usually crush on the show yeah i think i mean i i don't think that i would ever take something new on the show just because i i want i know that my my last time on the show i did the multiplying bottles which i've done more than anything else in my show and i can <laughs> i could do it drunk if i needed to and it it made the experience of going on that television show so much more enjoyable because yeah you're already nervous shooting a tv show you're already nervous because there are so many conditions that aren't normal like nine cameras looking at you and and celebrities totally. around and everything so it was really nice to have this most important part which was the performance be 
wrote. Like I just knew it. And um, that yes. helped a ton to calm me down. And, and the fact that there was a live audience there at the time really helped because there, it felt like a show. It felt like I was doing a show. Yeah. So, although you were probably, it was, it's weird how far away they are, they're right? Very far away. There's a lot between yeah. you and them. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a fun experience. Um, and honestly, not a bad thing about it. Like I can't think of one thing that didn't go, they cut my Trump joke. That's the only thing, but that it was understandable. It aired in yeah. 2016, like right around the time of the Republican national convention. And I had made a joke where the audience is yelling, make them go back. And then I say, uh, y'all sound like a Trump rally. and they cut they cut that line, but they left the audience yelling, "Make them go back." So nice, yeah. <laughs> well, we've gotten it, off into it on a tangent, and I'm going to push forward a little bit. Um, go for it. We, we'll talk. We'll talk all about that experience and and the minutia stuff on your podcast. For question Perfect. three, the stakes keep getting higher and higher and higher. And so for the question oh, gosh. three, we're playing. I only for have a, two children. We're, we're we're playing for a coveted. The internet says it's true. Sticker a three inch by three <gasps> inch sticker is a valuable possession. This, it must be mine. This uh, stack is all I have left. There are probably only about 15 left because uh, people have been joining the Ooh. Patreon and getting them, and, and uh, people have been winning the third question and getting them. So here it is. This uh, isn't about Genghis Khan. This is more about the idea of a unmarked grave. So what radio personality? Okay. This is a radio personality who was buried in Norway in an unmarked grave after a very public six-month battle between his widow and children for possession of the body. What was the name of the radio personality? Was it A, Casey Kasem, B, Rush Limbaugh, or C, Don Imus? Oh, okay. Let's see here. It, Rush died pretty recently, if I, if I recall. Um, so uh, let me think here. A lot of things went down with Rush, but I don't feel like there was any controversy about his body. Um, I mean, there's things that are controversial to me about his body, <laughs> um, but uh, I don't think I remember anything. Don Imus, I, I know I'm not aware too much about his death at all or the circumstances around it. So that's like a, a question mark for me. Casey Kasem, ah, see that guy made news for having all kinds of weird stuff because he was so Imus controversial, Rush was controversial, Casey Kasem so uncontroversial. And then all of a sudden he died and there was like a thousand crazy Casey Kasem stories that like released like a powder keg, like a, like a, like a peanut, like a peanut, uh, gag. Yeah. With the exploded snakes in, with, in the jar. Yeah. Yeah. Just exploded with like weird stories of Casey Kasem when it came out. So I feel like it fits the bill for Casey Kasem. Dear Casey, I was sitting in an elevator thinking about my mom. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go. <laughs> that was with, actually uh, a stellar impression. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go with Casey Kasem. You would be correct. It's Casey Kasem. Yes! Yeah, he was buried in Norway, but his par his kids are angry about that. It was a big fight between them and his widow. Uh, his daughter said, quote, even with all the letters attached below from my father's friends and family stating that he wanted to be buried in the United States, she capitalized that part, the country in which he was born and raised, his wishes were once again ignored by his unfaithful wife, end quote. Put a, put a strong burn in that last bit there. Just, uh, just uh, when it comes to shots fired, that was with the howitzer. Yeah, I remember there was a time Howard Stern was covering that story for the whole six months. Just every day it was something crazy and different. You know, this sometimes this show reminds me of this 
there's a Casey Kasem uh, outtake tape, like a um, oh yes, a hot mic tape tape that that is released. You can find this on the internet, uh, where he gets really angry at his producer for giving him a uh, a death dedication coming out of some like or going into some really like happy song. And he gets so mad about it because he can't figure out the segue and how that's supposed to work. And every week I do this show and like some some of the <laughs> like, we, you know, we end up laughing a lot when I when I do the intro to the person. And it's like, oh, by the way, now we're going to talk about, you know, a civil rights issue from 1965, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of uh, like, oh, how do I get from here to there? You find a way. I do. I do. Yeah. Going and straight. you produce your own show so you can't yell at anybody. I can't. I wrote this. This is horrible. All right. Michael! <laughs> You're going to get a sticker, my friend. Question four. Yes. For this question, we're playing for an audio Easter egg in your next podcast. I'll explain what that is. So if you get the question wrong, you'll have well, to... I like in- eggs, so I'm in. Okay, good. You'll have to insert a phrase of my choosing into your next episode. If you get oh, it right, fun. I'll say that phrase in next week's episode of this show. Here's the phrase. The phrase is, they don't Wait teach... Time out. Sure. Hold on. Did you... Do this already? Did you accomplish your Easter egg in this show already? On this show, the the I, it's in the other person's. This two weeks ago, I had to say it, but this this okay. in this show, I didn't have to do one. But Brian Miller, who was on last week's show, has to do one in his next podcast because he got the question wrong. Got it. And Phew, I was just so I was suddenly paranoid. I was like, was there something that I got, <laughs> got by me that was a weird phrase that I didn't pick up on? No. Um. So okay. in Brian Miller's show, let me let me find what it was last week. It was something about say what you will. Let me find it. Last week's episode, uh, the phrase was, say what you will, Smurfs was ahead of its time. (laughs) (laughs) And you can change it to that one if you want. But uh, this one is, they don't teach you that when you grow up in the mean streets. (laughs) So... That either one, either one. Which for me would be the Red Bank, New Jersey, Mean Streets. Yeah, you're closer than I am. Urbana, Ohio, city of 12,000 in the middle of a cornfield. Here, uh, here is your question. Which is the official nickname for Mongolia? A, land of the blue sky. B, mm-hmm. land of the endless desert. Or C, land before time. Okay. Let's see here. Land before time is a TV show I watched as a kid with dinosaurs and cave people going down the stream, I think. Um, land of endless desert. I live in Las Vegas. We have one of those. It's not something we really advertise. <laughs> um, okay. Land of the blue sky, which sounds so just vanilla and nothing. But then again, when Shawshank Redemption was released in China, it was, it translated to entertainment 1999. It did. So I know that things get lost. <laughs> what? I know things get lost in translation. I have I'm never saying. heard that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like some big, some big glorious name is it, for the slow <laughs> unfolding prison drama. Um, I'm going to go with the blue sky, blue sky. You are correct. Next week's episode of this show will say, what do you want me to do, the Smurfs or the, or the, the Mean Streets? It's totally up to you. <laughs> I kind of like you selling the Smurfs being out of its time. Yeah, kinda, yeah. Done. Done. Kinda, say what you will. I kind of feel will. like that one. Say what you will. The Smurfs was ahead of its time. That will be in next week's podcast, and it'll probably be some sad story about you know Genghis Khan's burial or something, and I'll have to talk about the Smurfs in there. And I, I want to... I'm going to make make it contextual as well. So I'm not going to just 
stick it in. I'm going to make it make sense. You do some research. You're going to watch the Smurfs. You're going to figure out what they did. Yeah, right. that's right. That's right. I'm going to find that rare uh, civil rights episode of the Smurfs to match the, the, I don't even know what next week's topic is yet. So I have to look. All right. Wow. So, um, so the, yeah. Well, if it's about turning things into gold, because then you could really work that in Ooh, very yeah. easily. I could also work. Um, wasn't there some like satanic stuff around the guy that, that was trying to always kill the Smurfs? Like Gargamel? Gargamel. What was his, his cat's name? Azrael. Azrael. Okay, I was thinking it was something like Beelzebub or something. Maybe Azrael is uh, some kind of Possibly. demonic name. I don't know. I think it was just, this was probably a YouTube video that someone made and yeah. tried, to, tried to connect the dots. I think we can rule out Hefty. I don't think Hefty was, was, was a d- demonic name. Hefty? Hefty I, Smurf. I don't, was Hefty a Smurf? I think so. Am I wrong? I don't know. I don't, no one remembers anything <laughs> except for Papa Smurf, right? Like, how do you remember That's Smurf right. names? I can I can picture there was that one like kind of hot Smurf with the blonde Smurfette. hair. Smurfette. Oh, Smurfette. I should have been able to guess yeah, that. Yeah, that's name. an easy one. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while since Brainy, I've... wore glasses. Yeah, these are... We really couldn't get away with any of this nowadays, huh? No, I think that, that they just weren't very... Now that I'm thinking about this, none of this was very imaginative. Uh, no, I think Hefty had like an anchor on his arm and had like muscles. Oh, Hefty. Oh, see, I was thinking he was just, there was like an overweight Smurf. <laughs> just, just like, nah, you guys go ahead. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna hang out here. Uh, so apparently, the land of the blue sky, the sky in Mongolia remains cloudless for over two thirds of the year. There's like 230 mm-hmm. days or 250 days of cloudless skies in Mongolia. Wow, that's impressive. It makes it sound like you want to go there, right? But I don't think so. I'm telling you, someone who lives in Las Vegas, it's not as it's not as all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> you want, you guys don't want to go by the the land of the endless desert in Las Vegas, <laughs> land of the endless desert, and we definitely go 250 days without rain, and it's not awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, well, it snowed there last year though. It did, and that was the first time in like years. Yeah, um, and when it's when even when it rains, my kids get excited and they go like, oh, "It's raining! Can we go play in the rain?" Like they're just so pumped. That's awesome, actually. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, we're 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 nearing the end, and uh, I uh, this one is for all the marbles. So if if you get this wrong, Matt, I'm banning you from the show. You'll never be asked wow. again. So it goes like the stakes just keep adding up and adding up. Whew, I was really having a good time. I know. Well, now all the pressure's on. Here's your question. Mm-hmm. This one is not multiple choice. What is the okay. most inspiring variety act you've ever seen? Oh. Okay. I really have my guard up on this one. Um, uh, I would say Otto and George, uh, which is, if, if you're not familiar with it, it's, 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 it's not family friendly, right. for sure. Right. But uh, it was a comedian who did a ventriloquism act, uh, and it was so uh, next level. And I, I knew a little bit about it. And then right when I moved to Las Vegas, um, I was not friends with, with Penn, but I was uh, friends with his wife from Penn and Teller, friends with Emily Gillette. And um, David Copperfield threw a secret midnight showing of Otto and George in his theater. And I got to go to the Copperfield Theater at midnight. Wow. And see a one-hour Otto and George show. Uh, and like I said, I was slightly familiar with him, but then seeing his whole show. And I mean, the guy just couldn't not be hilarious like he just 
oozed comedy and honesty at the same time through this fascinating dynamic between him and his figure. And uh, like, it's just so much confessions of like demons and dark past without you feeling like you were um, unfairly accessing it, I guess. Yeah. It was, Interesting. it was so well done. And then there was nothing you could do to catch him off guard. He was so next level with every joke and so far ahead of the audience. Um, it was really, really one of the coolest shows I ever saw. Wow. So, yeah, Otto and George. That's a right answer. Uh, I love hearing that because when you hear about something with such a unique premise, the idea that I hear I'm doing a ventriloquism act, but yeah. it's filthy, a lot of acts would stop there. And that would be all that they would feel like they would need in order to have a career and probably could have a career doing that. But the fact that it's actually a good act with writing and with comedy and with chops and all that makes it so much incredible vulnerability, you know, with demons and stuff. Yeah. absolutely. uh, Personal demons and stuff, but in a way that didn't make you feel uh, bad for him. He just, he was just laying it out there. It was pretty great. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, man. Uh, can you tell everyone once more where they can find you online? Sure. Yeah, it's 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 a Patreon thing, which uh, most people here are familiar with, uh, is uh, com. Uh, it's a whole two bucks. That two bucks is what it costs for me not to be harassed by magicians on the internet for exposing secrets. <laughs> so um, that's, that's the way that goes. And he knows them all <laughs> because he's seen every episode of Fool Us. He's had to. It's part of his job. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, but yes, yeah, I hope, hope you guys can uh, find time to check it out. That's Abracababble on Patreon. Thanks again, Matt Donnelly. It's been awesome having you on. Absolutely. Thanks, pal. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much to Adam for the topic and to Matt Donnelly for being my guest. The following voice is from a small Mongolian child. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton because that's how the algorithm works to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new if the internet says it's true. The internet says it's true. We'd like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, thank you. Catherine Morgan, thank you. Bryce Swanson, thank you. Eugene Anderson, thank you. Matt McVeigh, thank you. Jim Martin, thank you. Joanne Martin, thank you. Joshua Endress, thank you. And the show's official emperor, Kick Track, thank you very much. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. And additional music this week was from Godmode, Aaron Kenny, and Patrick Patricios. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for the internet. It says it's true wherever you get your podcasts and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.